Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the 1871 podcast. And I'm delighted to say we have a Royals midfield legend as our special guest tonight. A star of the 1994-95 season, Simon Osborne. So... Welcome to the show, Simon. Great to have you with us. Thanks very much. Cheers for inviting me on. I've been bugged by yes, a, a certain Dylan Kerr to get on here, so I'm sure he's going to try and hammer me, tell me about what he's <laughs> So It'll be fun, but don't worry, we'll be fine. Let, let's see what happens. So, listen, before we speak to Simon, uh, a heads up for you that we have a slight change to our schedule this week. So, now tomorrow we have seven-year-old Alzheimer's Research Fundraiser Heidi Barker as our guest. And she'll be joined by her dad as well. And she's got a great story to tell us about Paul Ince. And we'll also be having a look back at tonight's game against Stoke. So that's tomorrow evening. And then on Thursday evening, we're joined by Heaven 17's Martin Ware, who's a friend of Dylan's, as well as a chat about the Royals and and football and other stuff. Uh, And of course, music. We'll be finding out from Martin what Dylan was really like as a young lad growing up in Yorkshire because so far we've only had Dylan's word for it. So I'm sure we've got a few stories to, to hear from Martin. So that's on Thursday. So let's talk about Saturday's game. One all at Barnsley, still five points clear with only six games to go now. And Johnny, it was that man, Josh Laurent, who delivered again, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, vital point. You know, if we'd lost that, oh, God knows what we'll, we'll be. But, um, you know, again, the showing the battle, the spirit, you know, uh, not conceding as many goals and the fighting spirits there again, you know, a neutralise in the last few minutes. And he's, he's that's two from two for him now, isn't it? So it gives us confidence going into the, to the next games, you know, and hopefully we'll uh, get on a bit of a run now and bit of, you know, we can actually almost enjoy the last three or four games maybe with a bit of safety. Yeah, I, I don't know if we can quite enjoy it just yet, but it's moving <laughs> towards there. So as you say, a decent run for Reading, a one all draw at Bournemouth. And then a one-all win at home to Blackburn and another away draw last night. And it's Stoke at home tonight, which is an 8pm kickoff. And, and, and Dylan, there's still a way to go. But, um, you know, five points clear, six games remaining. It, it's looking looking pretty good for the Royals that they're going to stay in the Championship now, do you think? It's tough. I mean, they've got five tough games to play. They've got, you know, and you know, the the games at home uh, are very, very, very important. You know, they've got to, and I, and I said on my podcast, you know, for the next six games, especially the home games, uh, the Medes has got to be full. You know, get the fans behind them, give them, give them a big boost, show that the fans have always been behind them. But you know, it's very, very important now because. League One is not where Reading want to be. If that happens, then me and Osborne are coming back. We'll run the club. 
And talk, talking to the fans, Dylan, could you you had a song, didn't you? And we've uh, we've talked about that uh, at least once or twice. Um, I think Simon had a song as well, didn't he? Do, do you remember that one? Oh, super, super Simon, super, super Simon, super, super Simon, super Simon was born. So there you he go. Knows, Get him on the X Factor. Knows all the songs, honestly. <laughs> so so it's time now for for a chat with with Simon, our special guest tonight. Simon, great to have you on. Thanks for joining us. Um, and you were only with Reading for, for one season, but what a season it was. Um, could you start by telling us how, how the move to Reading came about? Uh, yeah, basically I was playing at Crystal Palace the season before. I uh, didn't play as many games as I wanted and they got promoted to the Premier League. And I played in a uh, charity game, testimonial, at the end of the season over at sort of Brentford uh, for the physio. And Colin Lee happened to be at the game. Saw the game, obviously me playing it. Um, I then went back to Palace uh, I felt that it was time for me to move on. I didn't play enough games. I felt that I went to go out and play more first-team football. Reading showed an interest. There was lots of backwards and forwards. I came across, trained with Reading for a week, played uh, a couple of games. I think I played over at Whitney. There was two different teams. I then went back to Palace for all the other bits and pieces to try and get sorted out, as in finances and so on and so forth. And all that managed to get done literally a week before the season. I signed a week before the season. Um, the fee was agreed I came across obviously I'd gone across the trial enjoyed there was obviously a good feeling about the club at that time as I got there just been promoted there was a bit of a buzz um, I enjoyed obviously what Mark and Colin had, had said was going to happen and um, I had no hesitation really in signing for there signed a two year deal um, and that was sort of that was the start of it and the following week I was playing my first game in the championship for, for Reading at, at Wolves away uh, and, and who was the first player you met when you when you first came to Reading? Can you remember? I can't remember who the first one was. I think I probably ended up going straight into the sort of um, Coombe Park, sort of where everyone was training at that time, sort of wandered myself into there and went and just basically sort of went in and, and introduced myself and, and basically went out and trained and, and trained that first uh, sort of week, played in the game on a Saturday. And, you know, it just um, some people there. Obviously, I knew Jeff Hopkins. Uh, from my palace days so Jeff you kind of resonate to people that are familiar in some way shape or form so obviously you know made my way across to Jeff I'm still only a young lad really so that and then like I said you kind of slowly wheedle your way in and, and find out the people that you know that you get on with better than others but in all truthfulness it was a it was a really good camp uh, again they were still high on the promotion of winning the league the previous season and that sort of took us forward going into that season and, and then, of course, you met Dylan, the legend. What, what were your first thoughts? A loud Norman. <laughs> a loud Norman. A loud Norman who told me that he made me everything that I was, basically. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have done half the stuff I did. So I was so and, fortunate to bump into him. And that's true. That's very true. I mean, you know, you, you, you wouldn't have, you know, you wouldn't have done any dance moves in Utopia. You wouldn't have yeah. been able to... My- I would say you can't, you, you wouldn't be able to drink, but you can't drink. So, That's I mean, uh, no, it was, I mean, you know, that first game against Wolves, I mean, I, when I joined Reading, I didn't know anybody. Um, obviously, I've heard, a, you know, a couple of names, but like I say, you knew Jeff Hopkins. But that first game at Wolves, you know, I, I think that set the, 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 the tone for the season because we battered Wolves that day and we should have won. I mean, Quinney, of all people, missed the sitter uh, with his head, you know, from basically in, you know, in between the six yard and the penalty spot. But we could see that, you know, you coming into the team that at that time and replacing Kevin Dillon, eh? And uh, that 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 was uh, a big decision on Mark. But how did you find it, you know, when you when after that first game? 
Uh, it's obviously obviously difficult when you move to a new club. I mean, I'm not I'm not a shrinking violet, and, and you know I'll accept responsibility. I've got plans to save myself, a bit like yourself, Dill, really. But once we played that game, obviously within that week, there was a there was a real optimism around it. Like I said, we was unfortunate to lose that game. Definitely should never have lost that game there. Obviously, big crowd. Wolves were signing big players again. Reading had gone about their business nice and quietly and, and signed a few players, as you know. And I just felt, I just enjoyed it. You know, I just enjoyed the football. Didn't enjoy the result, but I enjoyed the football. I enjoyed the way we played, the way we'd set up. And it just, it just was the right club at the right time for me. It just fell in at the right, particularly the right time. I wanted to play football. Mark and, and Colin showed a lot of faith in me um, and my ability to get on the ball and, and try and make passes and things like that. And that's the way I've always played. You know, I take a risk. Um, I'm not going to lie, I give the ball away, but so be it. I'm not going to go and shy away from that. And I just think that the personnel, the way it was set up and the way we played, and again, a lot of that was from the, the base from the season before. There wasn't massive wholesale changes. There was just one or two people brought in to, to add to that squad. And I just I just really enjoyed my football. That year for me, barring the injury that I picked up, I absolutely loved my football. And every game, whether you know wherever we went, we'd get battered at Sunderland away and come away with a 1-0 win. It was just it was just fun to play in. All the other stuff that went around it, you know, I've seen, heard lots of bits and pieces talk about podcasts, about the players bar and this, that, the other, and the rendezvous and how I was so amazing at Paul and no one could beat me. Those little things in there, you know, it's just, Dylan, don't even think, Dylan, that you ever beat the Paul. It didn't happen, trust me. Years of, years of snook halls in Tooting and places like Thorneith grew me up well. But that those were the things. And it, it, it was a great it was a great year for me personally. Again, barring the injury that played me for a few years, football-wise for me, it was it was some of the best football I played, um, which took us all the way to that second place, which was which was unfortunate, but we knew what happened and, and we won't talk about that till probably later when you're gonna remind everyone of it again. Um, but yeah, just it was just the people. The people around the club, not just the players. The players always the ones day to day. You tend to get on with a, a, a number of them anyway. But there was just some really good people around the club at that time, from Sue Roberts to to, to Graham Denton to the people that have always been mentioned. John Medeski, even though we had one or two words, he's fine. Um, he was, a, you know, he's an honest bloke. He prefer he liked honest people, and there was a lot of good, honest people around Reading Football Club at the time, and that and that, um, that showed in the, the togetherness throughout that season. And through to now, when you go back, you're still bumping them same people when you go back there. And I'm fortunate enough, as with Dylan is, to, to pop back sometimes, be invited back. Um, God knows how they call me a legend because I only played 30 odd games. But, you know, I'll take it. Um, we all like being patted on the back sometimes. And it, it was just a great season for me. Simon, um, just talking from a fan perspective, and uh, I know from talking to Johnny, he, he feels the same way. You know, I, I, my time watching Reading goes back to, to the mid-80s, the record-breaking Royals. But I, I think out of what, you know, you include the 106 season, um, playing in the, the Premier League, doing so well in that first season in the Premier League. But that, that season where you you played in second place and, and the playoff final, you know, without question for me, one of the greatest seasons as a, as a Reading fan, you know, to, to be watching that side. And it, there was just something about it, just a, a real, you know, fantastic energy. The players worked really hard. It, it was a great team, great individuals. And, you know, from a fan perspective, you're still regarded as, as one of the, the, the best midfielders from, from the last sort of 40, 50 years. Um, I, I know I speak for a lot of fans who, who watch that season. Um, from a fan perspective, how, how, does a, how does that affect a 
a player? Because the season as a whole went really well. So, you know, can you really feel that energy from the fans? Does that really help you? Yeah, of course it does. You know, like I said, Jai, it was fortunate I scored early on. It always settles people down. You're, you're brought in to replace Kevin Dillon, a fantastic footballer. Um, so there's not that there was massive expectation on me, but obviously I'm coming from a championship side to a championship side if it had just come up. So, but I, I just loved it. You know, if the crowd, when the crowd, he'll know it, Dylan, because he loves playing to him. I wasn't a big player to the crowd. He'd go up and pull that stupid shirt over his head and bow and all sorts of Dylan Kerma Lord and all that. He played to it, which is absolutely fine because you have to have that link between the players and the fans. I think now, you know, we won't digress about different else. We're talking about Reading now. There was a real connection between the players and the fans. And without them, you know, sometimes they dragged us through. You know, they could drag us through games. There's games when we didn't play particularly well. It wasn't going great. And if you've got a full house at Elm Park on, a, on an evening game, it's a great atmosphere. You know, you, it, it just gets an extra 10% sometimes out of it. It just gets that last little bit when you think you're not, you, you're not going to quite get over the line. And there's a bit of Jim's magic or a bit of, you know, Jimmy Quinn smashing one in from Fort Yards. All of a sudden, that changes the whole complexion of a, of a football match. But it also changes the whole complexion of a weekend for a fan. And I think that's where people tend to forget. You know, I managed to go on and play at some big clubs and, and played in big derbies. And that that is the biggest thing. People remember the last five minutes of a football game. And if you've won that and gone away, that, you know, that Saturday evening is a hell of a lot better than sitting in your room or getting crucified by fans saying you were rubbish again today. And you go, yeah, fair enough. But that's normal. So that's kind of what you get with it. And, and you had some yeah. uh, you had some decent decent nights out as a, as a player from what we've been hearing about. <laughs> we had one or two, yeah. I mean, it was just it, it, again. It was it, we had a we had a similar. Yes, there was a similar group of us that were, you know, we had partners or whatever else, but we were young. Um, we enjoyed each other's company. We made it a point that we'd work hard during the week and on a Tuesday, particularly, we'd we'd, we'd work hard on Tuesday training. We'd go down oh, into yeah. the, I can't remember the name of the pub. We might have a little bit of a, a, a roast, and then we'd play TJ Fridays maybe into into town. And we'd end up in Utopia and have a, have a mess around and see Scotty Taylor and Archie down in the mosh pit elbowing people in the head. It was brilliant. Um, <laughs> and that's what we did, you know. We did that. We came back in. We got our heads down. I, I'd sometimes go back to London. Obviously, I was living up and down here for a bit. And um, come back in on Thursday, work hard again, work through to the Saturday and try and get another result. And if we got a result, and, and Dylan and I, you know, spent a lot of time together when we come back. Obviously, Dylan sometimes was at the hotel. Obviously, Curtin's Farm, I'd stay there sometimes. So we'd come back, we'd go around the rendezvous, we'd have a couple of pints with the fans, cut the games with Paul, chat about the game, um, and then disappear off. And if it was Utopia, it was Utopia. And um, again, one or two light hours. And, uh, and back to the hotel for a quiet night in. One for you. <laughs> just one for me. Just yeah, one. Just one. Yeah, just, just half, a lager, half a lager shandy for me. That was always allowed. Half a lager shandy, packet of crisps and some nuts. And then he'd push two cheeks <laughs> together and let me sit on them so I could go to sleep. <laughs> no, but when when, uh, when you came when you came, us, I mean, I, you know, that's something I've learnt in 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 my managerial career that you, you you don't go and in Africa, in South Africa, well, in most African countries, club owners and club agents they run the clubs and they they they'll if you've got a squad of twenty five, they'll cut half the squad and bring another half in, and and it doesn't work. And as you said. When you came, I think you came, Darius came, Bernie came, Halsey came, and uh, the likes of Tom Jones left, Kevin Dillon left, uh, Ray Ramson left. 
but we have, we they, they found the perfect you know balance there you know and and you know I've always and this is not not because you know I love him to death but we we found a diamond and then you know you moved from Reading to 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 where you ended up I think did did you go to QPR yeah. for nine hundred grand nearly a million quid you, you know I think point, yeah not enough the, one point something <laughs> yeah not one point enough. something. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd have give you rubles for that, but I mean, it, it worked. It worked, also. It worked, you know. And, and, and you and Parky epitomised that because you, you, you had like me and Jiltsy and, and Bernie and Scotty Taylor, Archie and Quinny, you know. Um, you and Parky complemented each other, and no more, not more so from. And I, I watch it regularly because Reading fans post on it. The Reading four-two win against Wolves when McGee just left, and you yeah. scored the header for Parky cross. Yeah, I mean, like I said, so Phil for me is the perfect foil. Obviously, you know, I'm not physically massive, although my belly's slightly bigger now because I'm older. But Parkey for me was perfect. You know, I was considered the ball player, whatever you want to call it, a passer. Parkey was the epitome of the perfect pro. You know, he would battle, grind, dig his stuff out, head, kick, you know, wear the gum shield. It was fantastic. And what, you know, with a great respect, and, and Parkey would tell you the same, what Mark and Colin used to say to Parkey is do the ugly bit, Getting the ball in the areas that he, you know, you need to get in the ball in, because not disrespectful to Parky, he can do some of the things I could do, and I can't do some of the things Parky could do, and that's why it worked so well, you know. And it was, it was like that, you know. Parky, you know, put your head in there; he's not going to do it, but get him the ball, and he'll create a chance for the, the Arches, the Quinnies, the Jilkses of this world, and it, and it just worked perfectly for us at the time. And, and like you say, it was, it was, it was a joy to come into training when you can go into, you know, a hobby that we get paid for every day and enjoy it, and it was a laugh. We worked, you know, yeah, of course we had played hard at certain times, but we certainly worked hard because you wouldn't have got to where we did in the league without that. And I think ultimately our failings, you know, when we get to talk about the, the player final, was we had two or three of us that were probably I was injured. Uh, Nogs obviously got injured, and Vanille was carrying tiny keeper at first. And it's not an excuse, honestly, it's not an excuse because we didn't do it. But then, when it starts going to extra time, you know, it, it completely changed. But that was probably because we'd given so much through the season. Obviously, I wanted to come back from my knee injury that I'd received on New Year's Eve, and it's just one of those things, it just happened. But it's an unfortunate that we didn't get a chance to play in the Premiership because I think. It, 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 the side broke up at the end of that season. You know, the side broke up, and, and it was a little bit disappointing. I think because given maybe one more season, I think we'd have been in around it again. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. And Johnny, from a fan perspective, I've, I've talked about it from what I remember of that season. One of my, you know, absolutely one of my favourite seasons as a Reading fan. Um, same for you? Yeah, I just, I think because no one really kind of expected it, did they? Yeah, we got promoted, but no one kind of thought, oh, Reading's going to be up there. But like they say, the season just started, wasn't it? And, and you just kept building and building and building. And everyone's going, oh, it's going to fall apart at some stage, but it didn't. It was just, I think, one of, like, it was one of those unique moments. And I think, like, all the, the players, like you've spoken about already, just worked. It just was like kind of a magic puzzle that worked together so well, didn't it? 
from from you know from goalkeeper, defence, midfield, attack. Uh, it's just a wonderful time. Yeah, I agree. And, and like I said to you, it was always, you know, you started well and you're up there. And all this, as you say, people are, they, they can't keep it up. They've got a small squad. They've got this, they've got that. You know, they're going to get injuries. It won't carry on. We've got injuries. You know, you look at, we miss people throughout the season. AD missed the large portion of the season. I missed three months. You know, we had players out um, and the other players just came in and performed. And it just, you know, I came out, Paul Holsgrove came in. It just worked. It was just, you know, not. it's the perfect moment that those players will come together. Some players that hadn't, quite fulfilled what they had somewhere else you know I had points to prove to Palace and whatever that I felt I should have played more so I think just within that and I think Mark and Colin managed that really well um, which was a good thing and then obviously Jimmy and Mick come in at uh, the second part of the season and and, and then you know Dylan will tell you his story you know we all had fallings out with ball managers Mark and Colin I'd had fallouts with them and the same we had with, with Mick and, um, and Jimmy there and I think it was just probably a little bit too soon for them but they still they steadied the ship we still yeah. got to the playoff final. Could we have made changes? Great. Yeah, but hindsight's such a wonderful thing about what we could and couldn't do. And, you know, myself and Dylan included within our playing careers and now Dylan doing his management side of it. There's lots of different things we'd have done differently. Um, but we still finished second. We still were so close to winning that and probably should have won the playoff final. Um, so you can't sort of knock anybody for doing that. Um, individually, my mate there is very disappointed on, on the day. Um, obviously, I'm his, one of his biggest mates. And to see your friend unable to not play in the game when he'd given so much throughout the season is disappointing. Um, and God knows why I wore another free shirt. I should have given it to him. I, I've no idea why I wore that and I've still got it upstairs. But um, And it was the biggest shirt in the world, by the way. Um, <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons that I got tired at Wembley. It's nothing to do with the mental stuff. <laughs> four kilograms of shirt. Um <laughs> Honestly, nowadays, I, I don't know if I'd look very good in these tight ones nowadays. I'm not so sure. But honestly, that was massive. It's tight on you now. <laughs> <laughs> I think Simon, you, Simon, look I, I was going to wear it for you for this interview, but I thought, <laughs> I, won't, I won't get it on. Simon, <laughs> Simon, looking back on that season, from you know my perspective as a fan that season, I felt that um, the, the team did the maximum possible do you, do you look back and do you think there's do, do you agree with that do you, do you feel the same way that you know the, the Mark McGee and, and Colin Lee got the best out of the, the players and then you know towards the end of the season as well or do you look back and think oh we could have done something differently no I don't think you could have done anything differently you know we lost out to, to a Middlesbrough side that had the likes of Gascoigne, Merson and people like that in it so that's not a bad thing to be second behind the team that they had then you know Wolves had spent a lot of money Bolton had spent money so there was clubs in there we didn't deserve to really be in that in that pecking if that made sense could we have done anything differently no I don't think so could we have changed stuff in the, the playoff final maybe but that's a management decision more than a player decision could we have done things differently I think I think Dylan alluded to it. Um, we lost Noggs um, and we lost his energy in that final. And Quinny was on. Not the same sort of player as Noggs. Great player, Quinny, by the way. An absolutely fantastic centre forward. And it just gives them a little bit more impetus. They had more of the ball and then they started coming at us. They were a fit team, Bolton. They were a fit team. You know, we were we were fit, but they had some players that in that second, in that extra time came to their own. I mean, you know, if I was fit, for the majority of the season, would it have changed it? No, I don't think so, because the guys that came in done things differently. So no, I don't think we I don't think we could have done anything more as players. We try every single day we came in, we we gave our all. Um we trained hard, we worked hard on, on different bits and pieces. 
you know, we went to games, we won games we shouldn't have won. Um, and other ones, you know, we absolutely annihilated teams at certain times with the way we played. You know, I can remember Stoke at home, we were a half a decent side and we absolutely tore them to shreds and they just didn't know what I did. Um, and that was what you had with us at that time. I think we played some good entertaining football. We had pace, we had energy, uh, we could pass the ball, but at times we could we could dig in and, and stick our foot in as well, which I think was the perfect balance. And, and Aussie, just, quick, when, um, when, sorry, Dylan, just, just one question, then I'll let you jump in. Um, I just want was curious to know, Simon, um, when Mark McGee and Colin Lee left, did the you know what what was that feeling like for the for the players, and did the mentality change after that, or did you just carry on in the same way? We just carried on in the same way. Unfortunately for me, I got injured on New Year's Eve, so I missed. Well, basically, didn't come back till March. Obviously, I, I picked up a uh, quite a serious knee injury, so I didn't actually come back to March. So the changeover for me was was a lot different. Obviously, I'm trying to get back fit, trying to get uh, obviously my knee sorted and back into the team because it was going so well. So the player, I wasn't involved in day to day training. I don't think it changed a great deal. I think they just kept doing the same stuff. Dylan might be able to answer that better than I could because um, my time, unfortunately, was spent rehabbing and, and, and trying to get back fit. But the atmosphere didn't change. Um, particularly in that. Yes, we had one or two words about one or two things. I think, you know, I don't know if anyone's ever spoken about it, but we had a big old um, set to when we went away after the, the playoff semi-final. When we was away, I don't know if any of the boys have spoken about it, but we went to Lanzarote for a few days to get away because there was such a big break between the, the playoff semi-final and the actual playoff final. So we went away for a couple of days just to chill out, not really any training. And, uh, you know, we started getting curfewed and, and uh, big shack. I don't know, Shaq might have mentioned it because Shaq was pretty vocal as well. Basically went, listen, we haven't done it all season. You know, we've been going out, we've been doing what we're doing. Don't start trying to like, you know, curfew us now. It's worked. We're, we're together. This ain't changing. Um, and basically said, so if you want to curfew me, you're going to have to find me because I'm going out and I ain't coming until I come in. So <laughs> fair enough. And we all sort of went, listen, that's the way it is. We do it. So, you know, we all stuck together as players and that was part of what it was. It wasn't going against the management. It was just like, why change anything that not been broken during the season. Why now are we going to change our mentality? We're going to go out for a few beers. We're going to have a bit of fun. Dylan's going to win the quiz at this stupid nightclub we was in on. It was doing 80s music, which is obviously his forte. So our table... <laughs> he fixed it. <laughs> well, honestly, has he told the story of this? No. Has he told the story? So anyway, we've gone out. We've gone to this place. Anyway, happy hour. Our quiz is on. We're doing a pop quiz. Anyway, guys come up. Yeah, brilliant. There we go, fellas. It's an 80s quiz tonight. I'm going to play a couple of bars coming in. First person to get it. Cocktail. Anyway, deals like that, innit? <laughs> I'm on deals table. Don't worry about that. Anyway, guys come up. First few tunes on. Yo! Yeah, it's this. Japan. Blah, 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 blah. Guys has gone. Well done, mate. Cocktail on the table. Do another one in a minute. Next one, he's on it again. Honestly, he's four bars in and he's, well, I'm out again. He's got four on the bounce. The geezer's gone, you're not playing anymore. Stop just playing it. We can play the game. Nobody else in the bar could get it. Honestly, 80s music is such a boring person. But he, four on the bounce. Four on the bounce inside six bars. I, I kid you not. And the geezer said, you two, your, your table cannot play anymore. Wouldn't let us play. <laughs> <laughs> remember that? But the, the best one I remember is when you're when you when you've got the shades on and you're giving it the old cool walk across the pool and fucking went straight on me back. The boys, to be fair, the boys all panicked, thought they hurt myself, but it was all right. I had a couple of pints, so I was just like rubbing. That's no, fine. 
do, do you think the fun's gone out of football, lads? Like you're talking about things you did back then. Now is it's cheap, you know, with the money and, and the professional and... It has to go out of it, though, doesn't it? Because social media is just such a... It, it, it governs yeah. everybody's life. You can't do anything without being in the media spotlight. It's just... It has to go out of it. The fun doesn't go out of it when you're training. The fun goes out of it, the stuff we're talking about there. Did it affect us playing? No, of course it didn't. We were fit yeah. young men that could have, you know, we'd had a couple of pints. Yeah, I'm doing a stupid walk and fall over. Did I hurt myself? No, did I, L? You know, did we win the, the, the prize? In the, yeah, of course we did. There's stories that we can tell. You wouldn't be able to do that now. Because the moment yeah. they go, why are they going here? Team, what's he doing? Why is he in Dubai? He should be training. He's not in the team. He should be working harder. Come on. You know, yeah. You can't, you can't constantly be living like that. Um, but it's a huge pressure, isn't it? It's a huge pressure, which is why you know the mental health stuff is is completely different now. And again, another topic we won't go into that one um, too deep and meaningful. So that's why it's changed because it was released Tuesday. We'd go out, we'd have a few beers. If there'd been a bit of friction on a Saturday, we'd sort it out on a Tuesday. No, we're not going fisticuff. Yeah. It'd be a deal. Stop smashing the ball in the crowd again like you normally do when you're trying to pass it to Jilksy. Please try and keep it on the island. You know, that left foot you, your left foot you keep talking about your one. It's obviously broken at the moment. You didn't fix. So you'd have that conversation and then it would be a conversation over a couple of beers and dealt with. It's funny because you say that every time I went past you you'd fucking have a pop at me. I'm like, but Ozzy, I'm going through more you sure. You mean, fucking hell, give me the ball, Sam. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let, the, let, let the players play and let the runners run, deal. I told you that before. <laughs> <laughs> what was your best goal, Ozzy, for Reading? Uh, two stick out, probably. Obviously, Charlton, the volley. Yeah. Charlton away. From my um, corner, by the way. And, and what, mate? That. Your corner, yeah. I you, you always mention that every time you tell me about it. Um, and obviously, Oldham. Oldham away was was um, a good goal for me. Um, just a little bit uh, cheeky, little cheeky little flick. I goal. think the Oldham one was class. I thought the Oldham one was fucking yeah. brilliant. Sorry for saying that. It's very lucky or the goalkeeper actually catches it, throws his cap on it and boots it up the other end and comes running after you like you try to chip a keeper in training when he catches it and wants to volley it at you and then chase you and beat you up. Um, but that one just came off. There you go. Oh, listen, Simon, we're uh, we're coming towards the end. So, Dylan, do you want to? Uh, uh, Dylan or Johnny, have you got one final question? I'll give it Johnny. Go on, Johnny. You're, you're the no, best okay. man. <laughs> no, I just like I don't know how to say. You know, when you were playing, did did was it you just? Is it natural ability that you had, or did you have to work at your game when you were young coming into the game? It's the same as what I do now. Obviously, I coach still now and still do bits and pieces. And it's there is a certain element in any football player of natural ability, but you have to master the basics. The basics are what govern you as a footballer. You know, I, I saw passes that people didn't see. That's different. That's a different thing. But I worked on my first touch. I worked on my passing. I worked on, you know, getting stronger. All of that stuff you have to work on. You know, I came into to the game as a 16-year-old uh, apprentice, less than 10 stone at Palace, but worked worked hard at my game, listened to the older players, took on board uh, information, got lost a lot of information that I thought was pointless when people always got told that. Listen, doesn't necessarily mean you have to, to take every single bit of information that every coach throws at you, but if it's relevant to you, um, take it on board. I worked on my strengths, 
a lot of coaches feel this working on weaknesses is a big thing. That yeah. your strengths have got you to where you are. Yes, bring the weaknesses up slightly, but if you can get if you can make those strengths the best they can possibly be, um, I think that's a massive thing. Paul Merson's left foot was shocking, but what an absolute footballer. He had a right yeah. foot that could 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 unlock defenses. He could probably peel an orange um if you put that with his right foot but that's the difference you know and i think lot i think a lot of us now go on these stats and these negativities and i think for me i'm trying to with the, the younger generation now is to sort of not break them i'm not breaking them old i'm not a revolutionary coach i'm just trying to say to them, master the basics think positive can we play forward and if it doesn't work then we can always you know we can always play backwards and sideways and that's what i try and instill in mind i've got three fundamental basics that i coach yeah. first touch um your passing ability and your movement other than that all the details are, you know, Gil's an A's licensed coach. I'm not. The other stuff comes in as details. And, they, and the biggest thing in the world is to enjoy it. If you can't go out and play what I consider the best sport in the world, um, we were fortunate enough to get paid for a hobby for an awful long time. God knows how we got away with that deal. From yeah. Um, no, no. <laughs> I've no idea, especially you. Um, <laughs> no, well, I the fans just to recognise that. Yeah, that's what I mean, that's why I was working fans. Fans play the year, no problem. He kept paying them. That's why. That's why it cost him a fortune um, to vote for it. But that, listen, I enjoy it. I still go out now and coach, and I still coach, and I wish, you know, my knees playing me up, but I still wish I could still play football now, play best football, because it's the best, the best feeling in the world is going on that pitch and having fans in your name and, and don't let anybody tell you any different. It's the best feeling in the world. The second so, best job in the Aussie. What's the first? Porn star, son. You fucking other. You know it's the best job in the world. Yeah. No, it's not the best deal. No, oh, it is. Oh, oh, it is. Well, on, on that on that note, apologies to anyone who was offended by yeah. what happened in that episode. But anyway, there are, there are other. From, there are other not from time. Can go into just yeah. letting you know that people. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> other professions are available, and you may need to seek counselling if you if you're considering certain ones anyway and this will uh, be on at 10 o'clock at night now because it's <laughs> off the watershed <laughs> off the watershed but definitely right. yeah so Listen, I, I don't think I've sworn it I might once but there you go no You're no no, no. <laughs> so, so it's I'm, sometimes up north you know you want you know, mate? You need to if it goes broadcast up north you've got to do subtitles probably <laughs> mate yeah and we'll probably have to do it a bit earlier because most people at about 9 o'clock are out with their whippets yeah <laughs> flat caps <laughs> Simon, Simon thanks so much for joining us. And, you know, we, we, what, a, what a brilliant season that was. Obviously, it didn't end yeah. the way we all wanted it to. But we've had uh, we've had yourself, Shaka, Andy Bernal, obviously Dylan, um, Stuart Lovell. So, you know, if anyone knows how to get hold of Jimmy Quinn, Mick Gooden and, and the rest of them, let, let's complete the whole team because we're, we're, we're getting there. So, Simon, thanks ever so much for joining us. Uh, great pleasure. Really good to speak to you. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, Simon. Cheers, gents. And just Cheers, to... Cole, me. Hello, mate. Just Cheers, a reminder sir. that fundraiser Heidi Barker, seven-year-old fundraiser, is our guest tomorrow. And Heaven 17's Martin Ware is our special guest on Thursday evening. And don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 1871podcast. And, of course, another big game for the Royals tonight at Stoke. Um, sorry, home to Stoke, I should say. Uh, so join us again tomorrow and come on you ours. Sports Social Podcast Network.